This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Can you hear the klaxon? I can hear the klaxon. It is emergency podcast time. Welcome, everybody. We have hastily convened this one because Ipswich Town have been sold and are under new ownership. This was announced at 11am today. It has happened. The Marcus Evans era is over. First things first, we'll go into details in a minute and let us know in the chat. Answer this question as well that Craig and Joe are about to answer. Guys, what is your reaction? How do you feel, Joseph D. Fares the third? Yeah, relieved. It it just feels like a cloud has been lifted off the club. And like I say, I've not been one that has been hugely hugely anti Mark Evans as a as an owner because I think he's done the right thing by the club a, a number of times I just think he's been incompetent as opposed to disastrous but it's clear that we've been going in the wrong direction for a long time and it's clear the only way we're going to change as a club is if the manager is so good that he can run the whole club himself which is a huge ask in this day and age or we get an owner in or an ownership group in who run the club properly on a day-to-day basis Here's some reactions coming in, guys. Um, emotional and optimistic, over the moon. Um, I feel more excited than when we signed Kevin Callahan. There, sarcasm does transmit there, Nick. Nice job. Um, anybody else? Uh, Andy, excited for the first time in years about our once great football club. Um, Craig, uh, keep your reactions coming in, guys, in the chat. We're going to be here. We think. For the next hour or so. Craig, how do you feel um, about this change, first of all? Well, I, uh, I just saw someone else, I think Rob had uh, put in the chat, cautiously optimistic, I think is probably how we want to uh, go about it, isn't it? You know, we've we've all sort of been here before and people were waving pound notes, I was about to say then. No, maybe not pound notes, maybe five pound notes um, at Carrow Road because we all thought that Evans was going to be the 
new messiah and, and pump all the money that was required in. Um, and in the end, his his tenure sort of turned out like my hastily put together flag here with my bulldog clip and and pencil and staples <laughs> and, and and ink which is running out of the printer sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, I think, as Joe sort of alluded to, we just need to get, and as we all sort of know, we just need to get a structure in place, don't we? We need to step away from the one man in charge, everything goes through one guy to sign everything off from bloody uh, dishcloths and, and glass washers up to one and a half million pound non-goal scoring strikers and everything in between. Um, I say, if these guys can get in a structure and, you know, the words that they've come out with are good, you know, they've the experts in commerce and marketing and you know, um, the new chairman has already been uh, CEO of a, of a Premier League stroke championship club. So, you know, they know their way around football and administration. You know, we just need to hope that, you know, actions are speaking as loud as their words. Um, we're going to get into the statement. So, Joe, we've got a th- uh, three form, not free form like Jazz, but a three um, kind of part statement. Before we get to that, and again, I'm going to put this to the chat. Please, guys, in the chat, brilliant stuff coming down there. It's literally, we're trying to watch it as it all um, comes in. Um, in the chat, please, your take your take home of the Marcus Evans era. Joe, for me, it feels like Evans arrived at a time when wealth made a difference in the championship. He then made, as you've said quite accurately before, some hapless operational decisions and the wealth didn't make a difference. It felt like there was a key turning point, 2014-15, parachute payments shrunk from four years to three years, FFP, 13 million a year rolling losses. And all of a sudden, Evans thought, I can't I can't push this anymore and we're here where we are. Um, do, do you agree with that? Um, Joe, and what's your kind of take home? Keep them coming in the chat, guys. Take home of the Marcus Evans era. 13 years, Joe. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I remember the excitement when he came in, the, the Norwich away game where we were all waving up. 20-pound notes, I think they were, Craig, not fives. We were flush, flush at that time. But it was just, there was so much optimism about it at the time. And I remember there was a figure that was put about of 12 million pounds of a 12 million pound investment into the playing squad for transfers and that seemed such a huge amount of money in the championship at the time and like, Jim and Jill spent a lot of it Roy Keane spent a lot of it and you were talking big deals at the time sort of two three million pound but like you say by 2014-15 players like Ross McCormack were going for 11 12 13 million pounds and so what had Bridges what had been seen yeah, what had been seen as a huge investment was not enough to get you one top-end player at, at that time by the end of it. So it just it just didn't work for him. He, we, we missed that opportunity. He he backed Roy Keane too heavily in hindsight, and I'm sure he regrets that. And he just, he just, he just never got it right sort of on or off the pitch. And it, it wasn't until Mick McCarthy came in and sort of, tightened everything up from top to bottom and became a real lightning rod for the criticism to Marcus Evans that we actually looked a decent championship side, a side that looked like they were going to go up for more than more than just a, f- a few games here or there. And that was ultimately the time when the investment had been cut. And I think that sort of gave Evans the wrong idea that you could just keep cutting and cutting and, and 
Mick could keep pulling out a Tyrone Mings for 10,000 and selling him for 8 million. And then rather than giving him a couple of million to spend out of that, you were spending 300 grand on Jonas Knudsen and turned him into a World Cup playing international. And I think Evans just got the wrong idea of what could be successful. And it's just, you look at a team like Brentford, who sort of got into the playoffs of his in 2014 15, they were selling players for five, six million and they were investing two, three million. We never did the investing side of the other one. We just kept looking for, and to be fair, we found Adam Webster for yeah. We were all just a few hundred thousand and sold him for millions. We were just that stage below, weren't we? With that that one step below what Brentford were doing, weren't we? We were doing the the one step further back than what Brentford were doing. We were buying for eight hundred thousand and selling for three million rather than buying for three million and selling Um, for Craig. We we mentioned specifically on the pod that the Brentford Player of the Year ends up being um, passed on to Ipswich as they're being relegated, the Brentford Player of the Year from 2014, whilst they're still inside Ben Rama, Ollie Watkins, Esri Konza, Chris Mepham, blah, blah, blah. Um, Craig, it, it just felt like the paint-by-numbers approach, bring in Roy Keane, huge yeah. name, championship promotion. Bring in Paul Jewell, two championship promotions. Bring in Mick McCarthy, two championship promotions as well. It just feels felt like the paint-by-numbers experienced manager plus a bit of financial muscle um, just just ran its course in the end. Craig, give me your, before we go to the um, statements, give me your take home of the 13 years of Evans, if you can do that. Yeah, well, let's see, it's pretty much the same as Joe in that, you know, initially, and it was just that window, wasn't it? That window that he had where we, where we missed the boat, you know, that keen... Keen really was was our our one hit at it. Um, after that, it sort of, as you say, it was more a case of cookie cutter. Right, we need a, a British stroke Irish manager who's previously won a promotion from the division that we're in. Let's and if he's out of work, all all the better. Um, and things just got too rich for him, didn't they? But by the same token, he he stuck to his guns and didn't gamble. You know, other clubs did gamble and have fallen by the wayside and still find themselves in 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 trouble, don't they? Whereas he didn't. And for whatever you say about Evans, and we all know that you know the grounds a mess and um, you know, behind the scenes things are, are cut to the bone. Bills were still getting paid each month, and players were still getting paid each month. And you know, the guy was writing off checks for God knows how many million, and it must have pleased him, pleased him spectacularly to be doing so for un- underperforming players each month. Um, so you know, let's yes, let's let's berate him for everything that he did do wrong, and you know, in our minds, could have done better. But by the same token, let's not completely you know disregard what he he did do in in terms of keeping things ticking over, if not necessarily how we'd all want them to be ticked over. I think it just things just got too rich for him, didn't they? In the end, um, as, it's not uh, Joseph, bin- ha- it's not it's not binary, is it, Craig? A number of things you said are all true and not contradictory and not binary. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it got too rich for him. Yes, the parachutes and the FFP thing made it hard. Yes, he made hapless operational decisions. Yes, he did pay that six million quid a year, and it didn't make a difference in the end. Right, guys, keep your comments coming in. Craig's point there as well about Evans. Um, he did turn down bids for players even this season, whether you think they were the right decisions or not. Caden Jackson, we had money on the table for. Flynn Downs, we had money on the table for. Luke Wolford did a lot of interest. Andre Dezel, a lot of interest previously. He was able to retain our players and most teams at this level just 
just simply cannot do that, especially in the COVID times we've had. So he's allowed the new owners to come in and the new manager to come in with a better squad to to look at, at least, rather than selling any piece of the family silver out there. So there's a, there's a lot to be thankful for, but ultimately he just couldn't he just couldn't get it right. And all the money in the world, if you're not making the right decisions, is is not going to make a difference. Great. Right, let's move on. We're going to have a look at the statements. Now, there's a lot to say here, guys. So I guess the best thing is we'll just go through um, little by little. I don't think I need to dwell here on Evan's three boxes that he wanted ticked because we, 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 know, we know about that. So I'm just going to move on now. Um, the first thing, I'm, I'm just going to read from here. I don't want to go in exhaustive detail and we want you to keep your comments coming in. We will go to just Q&A. Um, we don't know how long we're going to go for here, um, but we will go for a Q&A when we've um, done this. So do hang around, guys, and keep the interaction coming while you're here as well. Please hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the like button. It will bring more people. And have your opinion and share your um, your thoughts and your knowledge here. So following several months of detailed due diligence by both parties, um, not sure about this, to ensure there will be a, quote, marriage made in heaven, an agreement approved by the EFL was signed today, um, and Evans is satisfied his three conditions has met, uh, been met. A new company, Game Changer 20, has been formed specifically to purchase the club. So there's a lot of structural stuff here. Um, as part of the transaction, a portion of the historic debt has been written off. Um, I will be the first to say here, we don't know numbers. We're not going to speculate. Um, unless you can show me the contract and tell me you've read it and understood it, we're not going to speculate on numbers and what debt's been done. We don't know. We're not that kind of podcast. We won't blag it, okay? Um, as part of the transaction, we've done that. So the new ultimate beneficial owner of the club is US Investment Fund, ORG, uh, which managed the funds of a large US pension fund. This is, again, all structural stuff. Here is the juicy stuff, though. Um, so GC20 through the Three Lions Fund, which is managed by three Americans, Brett Johnson, um, excuse my pronunciation here, uh, Burke Bakke and Mark Detmer will jointly own 5% of GC20. These three individuals, along with Chairman Mike O'Leary, New Ipswich Chairman Mike O'Leary, Craig's already mentioned him, uh, CEO at West Brom, um, uh, blah, blah, blah. And Marcus Evans will also own 5%. Uh, let's just drill in, Craig, um, structurally, big US investment fund linked to pensions. Again, I'm not going to come on here and pretend I'm um, some expert on, um, you know, I've watched a few episodes of Billions, but that's about <laughs> it where it comes from. <laughs> big hedge funds and things of that nature. So I'm not going to pretend... Um, I'm sure Kieran Maguire and on Price of Football will do a great job on this and Matt Slater as well already has done. What's your thoughts on the structural stuff? Evans retains 5% of Game Changer. We don't know what he's written off. Um, and the three US guys come in with Mike O'Leary as the new chairman. Craig. Yeah, and also there's a there's a vacancy for a, a CEO, isn't there? 
um, a UK-based CEO who will just updated. Are, are you putting yourself up? Fans. Yeah, are you putting yourself up for the job, Craig? <laughs> well, some of us are already shareholders, mate. You know, <laughs> let's, let's not let's not forget that some so, some of us were back in the club to the tune of about two hundred quid. You know, when when things were getting very uh, very dodgy. So that's, some of us that's know, some of us know some of us know when to speculate and to accumulate. You know, we can spot the a best good I can hold up is a bloody one. Yankee candle, but it's Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> What's it smell of? Oh, it smells um, lovely. Craig, your thoughts on the restructure? <laughs> yeah, as I say, so yeah, anything that has a day-to-day -day running of the business by a, by a CEO or whatever the, the title ends up being is a good thing. Um, these guys, as we know, you know, as people have probably already done some research into, into Brett Johnson and the other two gents, is they're already involved in football. They're involved. They've seemed to have completely transformed um, what was Arizona is now Phoenix Rising. Um, over in the US, um, both in terms of the team and in terms of the infrastructure surrounding it, you know, new ground. I'm not saying we're getting a new ground crush. Let's not let's not go across that. But just in terms of getting things structurally sound and structurally set up, as you say, Ben, we don't know about details about debt and how much is passing over, et cetera, et cetera. As I said at the beginning, as as Rob said in the in the in the chat, cautiously optimistic that you know they're going the right way about it and i think evan said in his statement didn't he that you know by nature of pension funds they're looking to not only well they need to be fiscally responsible i think he said but they need a return on their investment and the only way they're going to get a return on investment is through success of the football club joe on the on the structure please yeah one thing that leapt out of me is when i kept reading org i just kept thinking of the ocg on line of duty so whether it's the organized crime gang taking us over but um no just just more more seriously um we've got we've got a chairman in and i know that this always this talk about football men a, a football man this is a guy who's been a chief executive of a yo-yo club when west brom were always known as a very well-run club at that time sort of in the community and sort of on the pitch they, they had a lot of success there i know they sort of and then they've ended up nailing down a place in the premier league for a number of years so it's good to have him in there there's talk that there's a vacancy for a CEO. It's a Bristol City guy mentioned was mentioned on TWTD as well as their commercial director. The the sort of statement Mark has said Ashton. that there's Mark Ashton. Yeah, the the statement has said that there's going to be investment in the playing fund and the infrastructure. Americans are very sort of American businessmen are very commercial. You only have to look at the ones that have taken over clubs in this country. And obviously Man United are the biggest example of that. The Glazers came in on a leveraged buyout and they have just not rinsed the club, but if they've got a noodle sponsor in Singapore, a tyre <laughs> sponsor in North a Korea. Yankee candle and sponsor. Like that. They, they, they know American how to sweat the chicken sponsor. Yeah, um, oh, we get in on that. Continue. They, they they know how to sweat the assets of a football club and actually bring it into the twenty first century. Like Craig was saying there, and he said previously about glass washer replacement needing to be signed off by Marcus Evans. I think anyone who's close to anyone at the club knows these stories exist where Evans has kept such a tight rein on the finances, but also not been available to make the decisions and. We, we need somebody to run it and it looks like we've got people with good experience in the game who know what they're doing and sort of Nick Ames and between Nick Ames and Matt Slater they're talking of a fee of 30 million to 40 million pounds for the club somewhere in that region and that's big big money for a league one yeah. club it's a it's a huge investment this isn't a this isn't something that they've just picked up on the cheap and are hoping to flip for a profit because 
if if that, if that's the figures they've paid, and sort of those two respected journalists are saying that's what it is, two people have been all over the story, are saying that, then this is a long term investment for them, and the only way they are going to have a return on their investment is to get us into the Premier League. Premier the League broadcast gonna... money or parachute money. Is the only way we're going to get into the Premier League is by investing and doing the right things, making the right decisions. It's, it's not going to turn around overnight. They're not going to come in and throw. 10, 20 million at things in the next two summers, but they are going to have to get things right on the pitch. They're going to have to make sure that we buy the right players, we sell the right players at the right times. And as a football club, we make money. And it's it's an exciting time to be a fan, but obviously caveat that things can go wrong. But we look we look just instantly a more modern club. We look like a club in 2021 rather than 19. I would say 1981, but that's not probably the year that if the fans <laughs> want to think about. Pick but, any other year other than that one. Yeah, but we, we, we've been run like a club sort of from the 90s where the manager just has all the power. The academy tries to do its own thing, but there's there's not been one consistent voice at the top of it. And when it has been, it's been someone like Leo Neal who has just been spread too thinly and isn't, isn't given the tools to do the job that he needs to. And it's just... You just you need to invest to succeed, and it's and you're talking about investing in staff off the pitch as well. You can't you can't just cut and cut and cut. Let's have a look. As, sorry, sorry, Ben. I just as as Joe was saying that though, and if these guys are, are just purely buying the club for 30, 40 million, plus taking on a proportion of the debt, and then looking for return on their investment, you know, they're going to need to invest over and above the forty million they've already bought the club for, plus a little bit of debt, wherever it happens to be. Cross the mic. They're going to have to invest. What the only way they're ever going to get a return on investment? It's not even going to be championship and flip it, is it? Because you're not going to get minimal back for a championship club with the debt after you paid for it. It's going to have to be Premier League to to get any sort of return on that investment. Uh, right here is the words. Um, so this was the remaining part of the statement on the Ipswich website here today. So this is more. Uh, new information. We've obviously heard from Evans over the last decade or more. Right, statement from Game Changer. Uh, we want first our remarks on the completion of this takeover to be words of thanks to Marcus Evans. We've been discussing this sale with him for more than a year. And throughout the negotiations, his love for the club has shone through. He's a true supporter of all of us, Game Changer, and extremely grateful. Marcus has invested uh, considerable time and money Um Blah, blah, blah. All stuff you'd expect there. Mike O'Leary has previous board level expertise in the UK football industry. We've mentioned all of that. So you wouldn't expect anything other than, oh, shake hands. Nice, nice things said. Um, Now, let me read the bit from the three lions. Um, The three lions are part of an ownership group of the American team, Phoenix Rising, which plays in the USL championship division. Brett Johnson said, We are humbled and excited to be investing in Ipswich Town, one of the finest clubs in the history of English football. We are proud of our success on and off the pitch at Phoenix Rising and are committed to restoring ITFC to its former glory to this end. And the first priority is promotion to the championship and the management team will be given additional funds to strengthen the playoff squad. The Free Lions have considerable experience uh, in commerce and marketing, medium-term plan to increase revenue um, at the club, but the short-term priority has to be the playing zone. We commit to improving that all the way. The board of Game Changer 20 will comprise Mike O'Leary, Edge Farts, Brett Johnson, Bert Backe, and Mark Detmer, and, of course, Marcus Evans with his 
five percent of that probably doesn't get your seat on the board, does it? They will be joined by a UK-based CEO, an appointment that is hoped will be made shortly. I know we're kind of overlapping things we've said already, Craig, um, but what are your thoughts on the actual words now from the new ownership group? Well, it's all positive, isn't it? Um, you know, these guys know what to say. You know, and, and to be fair, if you if you look up Phoenix Rising, you, you know, just do a bit of investigation into them and their fans, pretty much to a man. I haven't seen any negative um, stories or negative comments on social media about Brett Johnson and their ownership of their particular club. And you've got, it's Johnson, um, Bakai and Detmer are the three co-owners, aren't they, of, of Phoenix Rising. Um, you know, none of them have, have got a bad word to say about them. You know, they say the right things, they're investing in the right places. Um, as I said before, you know, they've they've turned that club around, albeit on a, you know, a much lower level, um, They've turned that club around and seem to be making all the right decisions at the right times. Um, the additional chap, uh, Ed Schwartz, I think is a another investor, is a portfolio manager, I think, who's who's more recently come on board. Um, so yeah, again, just just positive positive um, vibe. But again, it'll proof is in the pudding, isn't it? You know, let's say actions, actions and words. Let's hope they're uh, they're as loud as each other. Joe. Yep, just same as Craig. Really, it's 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 what it's what you want to be hearing. But ultimately, any any new owner coming into the club, if if fans can't be excited by it and excited by their vision, then there's something wrong. Because if they, if they were coming in saying, "Oh well, we want to consolidate in League One, and this is the future <laughs> for us, and cut the cost and get rid of the academy," I think we'd be going there. But it's 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 what we it's what we want and what we need, isn't it? It's the it's the inv- investment and the expertise and the like I said the fact that they've brought in people with experience in the English game, and I'm and I'm sure the CEO, when appointed, will be somebody with experience in the within the English game. So they're they're already making smarter recruitment decisions off the pitch than Marcus Evans did in his sort of 13 year tenure, where our first chief executive was the former head of the British Olympic Association. Wonder why he was uh, appointed. <laughs> Allegedly. Um... Right, guys, please, we've covered the statement. We've given our um, initial thoughts. Please get your questions in and we'll take some questions for um, Joe and Craig on the chat right now. Joe, medium term, and I'm talking as in we don't expect this playing squad to be in the playoffs or win the playoffs. How does um, a potential upturn, and Joe has already very sensibly mentioned, we are aware that things do not always get better. And um, there is obviously the possibility that things could get worse. But how um, how does this takeover in the next 18 months kind of um, manifest itself in ways that you or I, I know you're a little bit more in the know than me, but you or I as fans can, um, you know, tangibly feel? Well, well, I think, obviously, obviously Paul Cook, there was there was talk previously that Paul Cook had, had, had met the new investors at the time of his appointment, that he knew exactly what was going on, and I'm, and I'm sure that is the case. It, you don't have to read too far between the lines in, in Mark Seven's statement to know that they're going to back Paul Cook. Ultimately, what we need to see in the summer, there's going to be a huge clear out because there's 32 players out of contract in the summer and 
I, I can't see more than eight or nine of those being retained, whatever was happening with Evans or or the game-changer ownership. So it's just a case of making sure the first thing we need is that on that first day of pre-season, when the players come back, Paul Cook has got his signings in place on that first day of pre-season. Not, we're not getting to the start of the season and trying to get deals over the line. We, we need to go out there with intent to get people in and, and make sure that we get them in quickly. I don't think there'll be, be a need to make a huge amount of fees or big, big signings like that. It's going to be wage investments that are the key. And this don't one, want Will Grigg for four million pounds. No, we don't want Will Grigg on transfer <laughs> deadline dad for four million pounds. Um, so, so you've got that there. As a fan, I, I just think it's maybe just polishing, polishing up the stadium a little bit. I'm, and I'm not talking about painting the turnstiles, but just, just trying to make it a place to be proud of again. Where like I say you look at the stadium and it's it's so tired in so many places and and Joe, that's infrastructure. That's infrastructure. good money in FFP yeah. terms as well, isn't it? Yep, and, and that side and the academy side of it. I, I'd say a push for Category One, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think that'll be coming anytime soon. But at some point, we need to be looking to go back down that line. Just raising the voice and raising the profile in the community of Ipswich Town, engaging with the public, the fans, and actually sort of having a two-way conversation between people and because I think that a lot of the a lot of stuff we do get right but I think the retail side of the club is quite good Planet Blue do a good job there's some sort of good quality products there they, they run the Twitter feeds well but it's it's always just a case of everything is just done everyone is spread too thinly about so you've got the media guys who have to do every little every little part of the job and where just getting a little bit of a little bit of help for everyone in there so that things just don't feel like they're cut back to the bone. Craig, I was just thinking as Joe was answering, please keep your questions coming in, guys. We, we, we're going there next, I absolutely promise. What does this do, psychology-wise, um, in terms of Paul Cook and the current players? Now, takeover done. Um, h- how does Paul Cook use this? How does, do, do you understand what I'm asking you, Craig? What, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You could be. You, you, could be you, you mean you could be part of this if you wanted to. If you buck your bloody ideas up over the next month or so, sort of thing. I think that ship's already sailed. To be perfectly honest with you, I think. Right. I think um, Cook knows who he wants. You know, he's pretty much reading between the lines what Cook says after after every match at the moment. Is he knows exactly what he's seeing the same as what we're seeing. I'm, I'm sure he's made his mind. I can't imagine these guys are going to change his mind over the course of the next two or three matches to say, do you know what you'll. You're more than happy. So I'm more than happy to give you guys a, a two-year deal because, as Joe says, in the summer, I can't imagine we'll be paying big fees. You don't need to be paying big fees. No one's paying money. big fees this summer, Craig. No, exactly, exactly that. You know, there are enough players out there. What it may allow you to do is obviously just to cherry-pick a slightly better standard of freer transfer or or a, a lower league player. But what it may also permit um, Cook to do, and it remains to be seen, is nullifying contracts which still do have time to run on them to allow you just to have a, a more condensed squad you know if you've got guys who've still got a year on their contract after this summer but you don't fancy them at all well if no one's going to buy them it might allow you just to just to pay them off to get them out of the squad just to give you that nucleus of a of a I say of a more condensed manageable squad of 18 20 rather than four dozen um, let's go to some questions. This is from Paul Joe. Um, talk to me about Lee O'Neill, who is—is is he sporting director or I don't know? Or he director does he does operations. 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 
Um, wait, is is he um dead man walking now? With the greatest respect to him, just trying to earn a living. I, th- I think he's going to be either due a, a pay cut or a change of role because I, I don't think he's going to be the doing old reclassification, as, Joe. Yeah, as, as big a role as he's been doing, and I, maybe maybe he'll be happy with that. But he was the academy manager for E Triple P purposes, or he is the academy manager, and we we need an academy manager. Brian Clue doesn't want to or isn't able to do the job with regards to the amount of administration and sort of extra work it, it, it entails and I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be very surprised if he leaves the club is, is forced out of the club but because why, why would you not just say you need to go back to the academy role but your pay needs to go from x down to y because your pay has gone from y up to x because you took on the extra roles but if he was just under- he was sorry joe he was just the latest in the line of what three who were out of his depth, not qualified for the role that they were on paper in, weren't they? You know, he was a he was a, a puppet. I don't want to say that's disrespectful, but he had no sway or no say or no final final decision on anything. You know, he was telling us four weeks ago that there was no offers on the table for the club, and a little bit before that, he was telling us that Lambert was wasn't going anywhere. And you know, within days of that Lambert due diligence statement. has been going on for a year. Apparently, we just said. well, exactly. Yeah, I know. I appreciate he's not going to come out and say there is something going on. You know, we're just waiting for the the eyes to be dotted and the t's to be crossed. But by the same token, he's you know he's saying stuff which is patently incorrect. So whether he didn't know or whether, as I say, he's not qualified enough to sort of um, say in a nuanced way to to not say the wrong thing. It just but it wasn't working, was it? I say he's the latest in a line of guys in the same boat i think what we will see and as we've spoken about is a far superior and a far higher level of of um person in that in that job role if it's not the same title within that job role blue monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport fan network and nordvpn giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, I, I sort of going back to it, it it's, it's more that the person who has been in that role, whether it be Simon Clegg, whether it be Ian Milne or whether it be Leo Neal, has been expected to be the spokesman for every single thing that comes out of the club. So Leo Neal's the academy manager. From what I understand, he'd been more heavily involved in recruitment. He'd been the one that had been back and forth with James Norwood, sorting that deal out, things like that, getting contracts signed, getting deals over the line. And then all of a sudden, he's being asked about season ticket renewals or the... <laughs> price of the shirts in the club shop and it's it just becomes it's like well we've fought, we've got somebody who's cogent who can actually string a sentence together and actually stand up there and will give us an interview and this is our only chance to ask any question that we can so every, every single problem with Ipswich Town whether it's who's going to be the backup left back through to why is the stadium roof data and clean, recruitment yeah yeah becomes their remit and it's just it's just not right and not the case and they end up looking stupid because as Craig says they say nothing's happening here because they're not allowed to and then something happens the next day or Ian Milne gets asked about why we're not signing this player when he's he's not a football person at all or he was at that so it, it just became a silly situation really and it had been for a long time um Craig, just uh, I think we might be able to do this with a pretty wide remit. Um, where on the park do we need to invest? Joe's already alluded to a clear out, so your answer could well be new new team it's rather than tweaking existing. Also, Jules is asking, I assume, about Liam Richardson, the current Wigan manager. New team and a new um a new um face in the technical box as well. Yeah, I think I think we just need a new core of a team, don't we? A new a new spine, if you like, but certainly just a new core of four, five, six different players, different voices to what are currently there. Um, and I'm sure Cook knows which the voices that he wants to have. The Liam Richard one's an interesting one, isn't it? Actually, in terms of obviously Wigan have have recently been taken over themselves in the last two two weeks or so. Um, is how. Does he see himself as a as a manager? Has he enjoyed his experience? Is he going to be allowed to carry on there? I know we spoke about it on the on the pod at the weekend. Um, in terms of you know the impact that Cook has had on the squad so far, and you know, not disrespecting anything that Paul Cook's done, yet, fully oh, don't do that. Shit. <laughs> Christ, no. <laughs> you know, again, things don't have to be black and white. They can be slightly grey, um, <laughs> but you know. It has been it has been um, a poor. Uh, he has had a poor impact on the squad. You can't you can't deny that. Um, the reasons behind it we don't know. Whether it's you know lack of the coaching side or lack on the players' perspective from taking things on and and running with them. Um, I just hope that he does get Liam Richardson because you know, he's been with him alongside him for all the success that he's had. You know we don't want another Roy Keane, Ricky Sprazier. Um, episode whereby you know, we get... Ian Culverhouse as well. Yeah, We've been exactly. hearing about for the last God knows how long from our. Yeah, that's right. And I, I just, you know, you just, friends. you just hope that, you know, and then there has been rumours that, and, and it's been from similar people who've had who've had whispers about the takeover is that yes, Richardson is coming without doubt, and also John McGreal's coming along in one um, in in one respect or another, just to add more. Um, voices, different voices into the coaching staff because, you know, it may be that Cook just wants to completely 
reset things behind the scenes, not just coaching, but even further back, you know, in terms of, I know the, the Academy Sports Science guys um, left recently, isn't he, in the last week or so. So, you know, things are going to change. There'll be a lot of new faces, I think. Um, oh, we just had a super chat come through. So let me just quickly read that. Um, thank you very much, Paul. Um, £10. Um, <laughs> rather than watching, I follow at the moment. Very, very kind, um, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, you can obviously uh, support via um, super chat um, at any point during the show. Thank you very, very much uh, to Paul there. Joe, um, what does um, Mullet's asking about um, US football and America as a whole? We possibly just seen Daryl DK go from Orlando on loan to Barnes. He scored seven goals in 10 games. And it looks like, given the Brexit stuff, that's a, that's a market that's opened up um, recently and vice versa with loans. Well, is there any advantages to having um, US knowledge? And um, talk to me about a, a link up with um, the Phoenix Rising. I don't think there's any disadvantage to having it. Ultimately, there's the ability to share skills, share expertise, share resource across across the clubs, be able to send players there for experience and send them here for experience this way as well. So there can only be advantages to it, but whether that means they are genuine big advantages, I think we'll find out in time. But I, I, I don't think this isn't looking like it's part of a multi-club model where the clubs all work with each other. There's a style going out around it. This is very much a separate investment to the other ones, I'd say. And um, Chris has just, I think you've just kind of given your views on that uh, city group style. We're thinking um, less than likely. Keep your questions. Um, I, I think that's something that could, in. that could come in time. If, if they do make a success of things at Ipswich town, I'm, I think that will be something an avenue that they'll look to go down. They've obviously got interest in sports around the globe, so it's it's not something that looks like it's happening at the moment. But that's not to say in the future it would. Um, let's have a look. Keep your questions um, coming in. Um, this is uh, Annie, who is known to me, a Bristol City fan, would love <laughs> us to have Mark Ashton. Um, as long as, long as he's going to, as long as you're going to bring in Adam Webster, like and, and turn him round within a season to being, you know, a twenty million pound. Uh... Well, funnily enough, um, if you saw Nigel Pearson's interview at the weekend, Craig, he pulled the Paul Hurst after Exeter, which is a reference um, Ipswich fans will all understand. So that will go one of one of two ways. Um, uh, keep your questions coming in, please, guys. We'll we'll go another 15, 20 minutes. We are reacting to the news that Marcus Evans has sold. Ipswich Town. Um, the takeover completed at 11 a.m. today, confirmed by Ipswich Town. Um, uh, game changer and um, that group are now owners of Ipswich Town. Keep your questions coming in. Um, Kieran Dyer, Craig, um, can you talk a little bit about Dyer and um, uh, given that he's um, been cozied up to by Paul Cook, um, and is a great ex-player from the club. Uh, what you expect to happen in that regard? Well, uh, yeah, I'll let Joe carry on. But no, if he was off, I wouldn't imagine he's currently still the first team bench, hasn't he? So there's, I don't think there's anything to be read into that. He's, I think he's well thought of, certainly from a coaching perspective. Um, he's doing a decent job with the under-23s at the moment. Um, and as I say, if, if Cook's bringing him in to actually, in effect, um, temporarily promote him onto the first team bench, then you know I can't I can't see that's uh, that's going to be a problem. But now I'll let Joe 
Yeah, no, from what I hear, everything I've heard about Dyer and Paul Cook is that Paul Cook has rated him as a coach and as a person incredibly highly so far, which is shown by his promotion into the first team set up alongside the under-23s. But Dyer's in a position where apparently he wants to have about 10 players in his under-23 squad next season so that it allows him to bring up the players from the younger age groups that are excelling so that there's less of these sort of blockers in pathways of people. Because at the moment, we've probably got about 18, 20 players in an under-23 squad. And I think we've used 64 players in under-23s games this year. So he wants to really streamline that down. And I think that's something that Paul Cook is very, very much on board with. Um, Joe, we've seen some wink, wink, nudge, nudge from Paul Cook in a couple of the interviews where um, this has been intimated. But... Paul, and again, thank you for the super chat, Paul. Um, how confident are you that the new owners had saying in Paul Cook? Um, can we be as bold as to say now that um, Cook literally wouldn't be here without the knowledge that this was going to happen? I, I, I don't think so. I, I think that Paul Cook was both Marcus Evans's man and the new owners' man. So, and like when we when we. When the appointment was made, we looked at it, saying, "Who are the better, who are the better candidates out there?" And it was really very much Paul Cook and probably first place distance, and maybe Danny Cowley just behind them. So, I, I think that Evans is is someone that has targeted um, Paul Cook for a long time. I, I know that they've they've known each other for a long time, and it's no no great surprise that he was he was given the job here, whatever was happening. But he there is no way on earth that the new owners haven't been a part of that decision to appoint Paul Cook as well. He, his name was, it was in the Matt Slater article, wasn't it? You know, pretty much when it was all, when the, when the, when the takeover announcement or sorry, the takeover story article came out, I'm sure there was a couple of lines in there that along with it, you know, it was, it was sort of linked, if not directly linked, as Joe said, you know, they're not going to, as the press release says, these conversations have been going on for a year. So Evans is hardly going to have gone off, two or three weeks before the everything's signed off and go bring in some guy that's going to get the, the sack by the new the new chap straight away. So now I'd imagine Paul Cook was well aware that if, if it wasn't going to be finalised, there was a 99% chance that it was going to happen. Talk to me about season tickets, Craig, because if I was an advantageous businessman, I'd put them <laughs> on sale right now. <laughs> yeah, crikey. And I, I know they've come up with some, some tar- ruses in the past to get us all to... <laughs> renew our season tickets and invest in the future of the club. I mean, crikey, to, to pull this one out the bag with uh, with a week or so to go is is pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, as I say, I'd, I'd imagine that these guys will be leaning heavily on their marketing experience now to ensure that the, the right messages are, um, are given and that Paul Cook's um, pushed out in front of the cameras to, to let everyone know that if not this season, the next season is going to be the one that you want to be coming and, uh, and supporting and watching because, you know, things are things are only going to be going up from here. I, I think that someone said earlier, forgive me, I, I couldn't see it in the comments. I, I didn't see the name, but any any obviously any investment isn't going to make any shred of difference to, to this season, you know, this season's squad and this season's performances. It will be next season if... If we don't happen to get into the playoffs and get and get into the championship this season, it's going to be this summer and next year are going to be the one that you want to be uh, concentrating on. And probably, yeah. And and so I'm sure that the, the season ticket paraphernalia will be majoring heavily on that. Um, can I just stay with you, Craig, because you've done a bit of digging on um, Brett Johnson. He seems to be the name 
that um, I know he's one of three names or now four if we add um, Ed Schwartz into the bargain. Uh, ITFC Tweedy, will Brett Johnson and co move across to England or will they manage from afar? Um, can you speak, um, I mean, regardless of their location, can, can you speak a little bit about what we expect from those guys or is it going to be a case of they're going to stick a CEO and a chairman in and let them get on with it? I think I think the latter. You know, these these guys are obviously um, uh, majoring in in getting the the finances and and the backing, but they will be very much silent partners. Certainly in terms of the footballing side of things, um, you know, they're investors, aren't they? They're not um, they're not football men as such. What they've got is Mike O'Leary in place and the new CEO to do the footballing side of things and to answer our questions about uh, the football side of things. As I said, in terms of Johnson, as I said earlier. I, I just tell everyone just to go and have a look, go and do some Googling about um, Phoenix Rising and Brett Johnson and, and everything in between. There's plenty of articles out there and there's plenty of guys on Twitter, guys and girls on Twitter, sorry, who are um, Phoenix Rising fans. Um, and you can see their thoughts on these guys. You know, they, they really have got nothing but positive things to say about them. I think we can only go by um, those particular case studies, can't we? You know, people who've already experienced their involvement in their particular football clubs or soccer clubs, as we probably call them. Um, and they are just just positive at the moment. So I'm sure over time, over the next week or two, we'll, we'll hear more um, directly from um, the guys in the US. We'll hear more directly from, from Mike O'Leary in the UK. Um, and over time, we'll hear more from the, from the new CEO, if it happens to be Ashton from Ashton Gate. Um, yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, so I was just going to dive in. Um, we're going to go about another 10, 15. Keep your questions um, coming. Um, just really quickly, if you are in the Ipswich area, we are partnered until the end of the season with Favourite Chicken, favouritechicken.co.uk. Download the app. You can get 20% off your order by entering discount code BM20. That is BM20, favouritechicken.co.uk. It's a very American-sounding dish, and apropos, <laughs> why not get some from lunch now, Craig? But if you do, um, BM20. Um, Joe, I might be um, throwing you under the bus here because um, I don't know much about Mike O'Leary. Um, how is Mike O'Leary rated? Um, what I know of West Brom is that it went to Chinese money three years ago, um, just prior to Darren Moore I think they certainly um, had the parachute payments, the Chinese. Um, so is this Jeremy Peace era West Brom and um, sort of Mowbray, uh, Di Matteo, Prime Pulis Robson. Hodgson, um, those guys. What, do, do you know much about um, Mike O'Leary, um, Joe? And if not, we'll throw it to Craig. I don't know a huge amount, but Mullet has just tweeted something from the WBA journal, journal Chris Let. Kowski in there and they're, they're all complimentary on it um it's, it's just a case that he's I, I read some quotes from him this morning and he was just basically saying about how they they didn't the new owners aren't doing as good a job as they should be they they aren't engaging with the community properly it's something that they were very keen on but I, I don't think he's going to be he's obviously the chairman but the chairman isn't someone that is really involved in the day-to-day -day running of the club it's a CEO that does that and I, I think he was I think he was part of the takeover that took Oxford away from 
there, Kassam, the owner there, that was a disaster for Oxford. He was a part of that, but it was very much a case was of Ashton, being a wasn't he? coming in, yeah, with Ashton getting in. But yeah. the yeah, it's the same guys that have effectively gone from West Bromwich Albion, who I think they're always a club that we'd see as a sort of model of a well-run club. Have gone, have gone into Oxford. I've got Oxford away from Kassam and now, and then have been at Bristol City. It's, it's it's a very sort of integrated group of people that have done that. So I think if you look at them, if if you look at those those clubs over those times, it's just a case people can make, I suppose, their own assumptions as to whether they think they're well run. I know Bristol City fans are on here talking about Ashton, especially, and but. Ultimately, you look at where Bristol City have come from and where they've yeah, got to now. No, it's, a, it's a massive and, difference, and the, the and, players and also that are these, sold. And but these guys have to understand what we've currently got, and we don't currently <laughs> yeah. have any, anything, do we? From a footballing experience perspective, all we've got is what Marcus Evans has picked up over thirteen years, which arguably isn't isn't too much. What O'Leary yeah. does have is bags of experience within football administration roles, whether they be you know, in the background on a board or as a direct CEO. And if he is going to be chairman, he has got however many years of CEO experience to get in what we would hope would to be a right, a correct level CEO for what he wants to do. He's not, he's not an idiot. You know, he does, he, he's been involved in football for a large chunk of his life. But Craig, you make a really good point in the comparison with Bristol City. We are Bristol City before Steve Cottrell got them out of League One with Aidan Flint. And Steve Lansdowne built the huge, great stand and all the redevelopments there. We're pre pre that, aren't we? So you make a very good point. And then we've we've looked at recruitment and you've mentioned Brentford. Uh, Joe mentioned Brentford. I think maybe you did earlier, Craig. But whenever I do my um, top marks award for recruitments of teams who've never had parachute payments but um, done the work, I always go Brentford, Bristol City and then... Preston, and we're talking about Bristol City and Joe Bryan, uh, Bobby Reed, Josh Brownhill, Adam Webster, etc. And Lloyd they've Kelly. tried to go to the Lloyd Kelly. They've tried to go to the um, Brentford level and sort of spent the money on Hanno Masengo and Famara Famara Jeju, and now they've sort of just got Tyreek Backinson and Antoine Semenyo. Sorry, I'm going deep into this um, as possibly two players who maybe you can push on. But it, I, I think the Bristol City fans are a little bit just frustrated at the road bump. But Craig, as you were mentioning, we'd quite like to go on that journey to, <laughs> um, you know, to 100 points in League One and your centre-half scoring 20 goals in a season or what have you. Sorry, Joe, did you want to come back? And, or Craig, do any of that? And, and say just and also in terms of Bristol City, I've been to Bristol City a couple of times. I've got a mate who lives, who lives that neck of the woods and for the last two seasons that we've that we were there we went hospitality um just saying we have a day out and things like that and it's it's just a different setup there just behind the scenes in terms of the fan experience and the the hospitality bits and pieces and you know their um their fan bar you've you've seen if you if you look for one of the one of the like the one of the euros or the world cup explosions when one of the goal goes in i think one of them's the box park down at croydon the other one is there's massive screen in a bar and this see it from the balcony down that's bristol city's you know fan bar if you like as well so you know they've they've got that infrastructure in place as well from a from a fan stroke match day perspective is it's on a different level to what we've got as well so again not only on the team and i appreciate the team may be more immediate 
but you've got to hope that these guys know also know what they're doing in terms of the the day-to-day match day experience as well yeah like like Craig I went to a yeah I I went to a game at Ashton Gate I I was on the stag do down in Bristol and I think the Spurs game was on afterwards and there was a couple of Spurs fans there so we sort of watched the game then went into that fan bar sort of and it was just you just felt like you're in a stadium that was so far ahead of Portman Road and it's it's when you go to these grounds of similar size dare I say even Carrow Road if you're in the main stands there you you it makes you realise how dated Portman Road has become and the serious investment is required. But just going back to O'Leary, the tweets that I mentioned that Mullet linked, it's basically from the WBA journal saying, interesting to see ex-WBA CEO Mike O'Leary pitch up at ITFC as chairman. Know little about the people he's fronting, but he will be a huge asset in that role. O'Leary was was part of the first peace board in 2002, effectively replacing John Wyler as CEO, but working in a non-salaried capacity. Mike's has bags of experience in CEO roles, knows his football too. So, again, it's, it's, it's positive to hear, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to bring this one up from Michael, um, who's 52. Well done for admitting your age, Michael. Um, <laughs> I've witnessed good times. Um, uh, just, just talk about this. I know, um, and we're talking about... But it is possibly, Craig, a different generation of fans now um, that maybe 2007, that's a long time ago now, isn't it, that that weren't around for this and they've seen Ipswich finish, you know, in in a difficult season, though, with a very high tide on the on the points totals in the in the playoffs and losing the playoffs and then uh, drop off. Um, And again, we say this, Craig, with the um, with the caveat that obviously things don't always get better. Um, but for fans who are, say, I don't know, you know, in their early teens or whatever, um, wh- what does this kind of mean? Well, it's, te- it's teens upwards to 20-year-olds, isn't it? You know, I've got a, I say my little boy, Christ, um, he's 13. And he started, he had his season ticket, I know he's had his season ticket six years, seven years, where it happens to be. And he hasn't seen anything. He hasn't really seen any football to enjoy, let alone success. You know, he's he comes along to the football matches with his mate. And I've got pictures of him just sitting there bored shitless watching this football that he's been trotted out. So, you know, if, and he hasn't watched a minute of football of Ipswich this season. You know, he hasn't bothered watching it, I follow. I'm the one that pays for it and watches it, but just I'm on my own. And I say he's probably at the lower end of that age group. But, you know, for, for anyone, just to feel a little bit of excitement about what could possibly potentially happen. I say maybe not this season, but the summer onwards, I think it's just going to be fascinating. We said at the, at the pod at the weekend, it'd be fascinating to see what Cook does to this club and this squad over the course of the summer. That was before we had this you know, fall on our lap. So, you know, if, if this doesn't get people excited about what could potentially happen, then there's no hope. Just had a couple of comments there from both from 18 year olds as well. Um, kind of echoing what you were saying. Right, guys, we are coming towards the end of our um, hour. Let me just put this up because then we get two from a couple of 26-year-olds there um, <laughs> who are saying exactly the same thing. Maybe we're a little yeah, bit... Yeah, me too. Same. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for joining. All our watchers are either 26 or 18, or they're not or they're not telling the truth. There you go, uh, Jack. Um, so... We're going to just go final thoughts for the minute. Thank you, everybody, for joining. While you're still here, please 
get your um, final thoughts on the news and your your reaction here, and we'll, we'll read a few. Um, we'll read a few out um, uh, just before we go. Please, if you're still here, hit that like button, um, which will draw more people to the stream after the fact. Um, final thoughts, then, uh, Joe, at the end of our conversation, and we'll learn plenty more in the coming weeks. Um, just quickly, I've had a message from Rich saying to say that we, the audio for this is going to go out later today, so people can give it a listen back if they've missed the start of this and or want to rewatch it there. But sort of back back to the takeover. My final thoughts are: it's it's a it's a day to look forward, isn't it, for the football club? We've we we know that under Evans, we are, are not going to get are not going to get where we want to be. We we can see all the evidence there, and sadly. Sadly, his ownership has proved to be a wasted 13 years for the club. And um, it's just, like I say, it's just all, all we've got with us is hope at the moment. We've, we can see some evidence about of what they've done at other clubs, but it's just, it, it, it can't, I'm, I'm, I can't say it's not going to get, it can't get any worse, but it's, it's, we haven't had any hope for a long time and now we're, we're starting to get some. Uh, get your final thoughts in, in the comments. We'll go to you, Craig. Yeah, exactly that. Just let's just look forward now. You know, we've 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 experienced Marcus Evans. Let's just hope that these guys in their mid twenties aren't going to be approaching their forties in thirteen years' time and looking back on this day and thinking, Christ, those idiots saying that this is all going to be roses and and you know promotions galore. Um, it it puts us in a much better position than it did previously. You know, as we said, Evans wasn't. A, he wasn't an intentionally bad owner. He was a hapless owner who just got priced out the market, didn't he? And, you know, if this allows us just to take the first baby step into the championship and take things from there, then, you know, let's, let's go. Fingers crossed. Um, um, my thoughts, personally, I totally echo the cautious optimism attitude of um, of everybody. Yes, of course, there's, no, there's never any guarantee things are going to get better, but... Um, forgive us our optimism. What's the point even following any sport or type of entertainment or venture if you're not going to be optimistic when there's the potential for things to be looking up? Joe, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, at Joe Fairs. Um, and what is your handle at the moment? I think I'm Joseph D. Fares the third still. People were <laughs> mocking me over the weekend for still having it, but I said uh, I still had faith, and until it's definitely off, I'm going to keep it. So he who laughs last laughs loudest or longest. Um, will Will you be we- needless to say? Um, will you be wearing the um, frankly outstanding um, paraphernalia? <laughs> Are you going to keep that on after we finish? Keep it on, Joe. No, no, I think this will be being framed and going up alongside my <laughs> MSU shirt right on the wall. <laughs> Tremendous. Craig, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at FIMS75. We'll, we'll get um, Brett and the guys to sign that, Joe, yeah, when we meet up with them in a, in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, it sounds good. Over a, sounds- over a fried chicken supper. That sounds absolutely tremendous. And yes, of course, favourite chicken, if you're in the Ipswich area, use discount code BM20 for 20 percent off let's give um some shout outs here uh charlie uh matt yeah be careful um jp smith on twitter uh, mark harrison um i think uh, we've got all of them we'll, we'll stick a few up over the um credits as they roll thank you everybody you can follow me on twitter at benjamin bloom i've 
already managed to get up before 12 a.m. A little um, compendium. I'm on it, aren't I, Craig? Um, to this over on my YouTube channel, which is Benjamin Bloom Football Channel. And of course, um, please hit subscribe here on the Blue Monday YouTube. Uh, as Joe said, uh, you'll be able to listen to this as audio later on today um, if you're just joining us now. Um, and um, we will see you all very, very soon um, as a new era starts at Ipswich Town. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Say goodbye, Joe. See you later, guys. Say goodbye, Craig. Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> thanks for watching or listening to the Blue Monday podcast. And thanks to those of you who have kindly supported the channel via Acast or YouTube donations. You can follow us at the usual places on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so that you get our new shows first. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.